Uh, Lord God, we do thank you that your word is truth and light, that in it you make yourself known to us, you make your plans for this world known to us. So Lord, would you shape us by what we read this morning? Help us to see that it applies to us, that it is good news for us. Would you grow us in our love for you through this part of your word this morning? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. Well, today we're beginning uh, a new sermon series, and we're beginning where we left off last year in the book of Genesis. Uh, but as I said last week, in this church, we want to make it our habit uh, to work through sections of God's Word, you know, book by book, section by section, verse by verse even. Um, we don't want to just pick and choose from the Bible. And so some weeks we'll look at a whole chapter, some weeks a few chapters, some weeks just a single verse. And there's a lot that's great about doing that. It means we don't miss anything in God's word. It means we allow ourselves to see the richness of the text and not just skimming over big chunks. But I hope you can see that when we do that, there's there's one big drawback. There's one downside of working through the Bible as we do in this church. Um, And that is because if we cover one chapter every Sunday, it'll take us 23 years to get through the whole Bible. And I don't know about you, but I don't remember what I did 23 minutes ago, let alone 23 years. Um, and so, my, just, my quick encouragement to you this morning is that if Sunday morning is the only time you are opening up God's Word, um, I'm not here to make you feel guilty about that, but I do want you to know that you're missing out. I want you to know that you are robbing yourself of something that is just so precious and life-giving. And so, it's the start of a new year. Let's start good habits Uh, Let me challenge you to to open up your Bibles throughout the week. Um, Something really helpful that I've found in the past is do it with someone else. Tee up with someone and say, hey, we're going to read this much this week, and then then chat to them about it. Um, It'll be really helpful for you. But anyway, that's just my little encouragement to begin. But last year we covered uh, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, didn't we? And so today we're kicking off this new series looking at the life of Abraham. The next kind of 13 chapters are all just focused on Abraham. And I don't know if you realise, but Abraham is a real big deal. In fact, more than half of the people in the world today identify Abraham as their spiritual or even physical ancestor. Which means... There are three and a half billion Christians, Muslims and Jews who can all sing Father Abraham had many sons and doing the right arm, left arm. Isn't that just a great image? So he's a big deal. He's important to lots and lots of people. But today we're looking at the most significant event in the life of a very significant person. We're looking at the turning point in Abraham's life, the event that makes Abraham significant. This is the point, the moment that not only changes his life, but also changes your life. Today we're looking at the call of Abraham. And what I hope you'll see is that the way that God deals with him is the way that God deals with you. The call that God issues to Abraham is the call that he issues to you. Now, yes, there's something unique about what God did with Abraham but it also becomes the pattern of how God deals with people today. 
And so you need to pay careful attention to this part of God's word. It applies to you. Um, just as a side note, I, I won't say Abram or Abraham consistently. I'm just really bad at that. His name is Abram in this part. It gets changed to Abraham. Abram just means father. Abraham means father of many. Um, I'll chop and change. Deal with it. But before we look at the call itself, this is the part of the Bible where God calls Abraham. First, we need to see the context of the call. Because if you open up your Bible and start reading from Genesis chapter 12, it's really easy to get a distorted picture of Abraham. Because in Genesis 12, Abraham looks good. He looks great. He looks like God's chosen man. He looks special. He looks godly. He looks set to be a hero. And if you you look at him, God chose him to be the father of a great nation. Abraham obeys God. He builds altars to God. He worships God. When you read Genesis 12 by itself, Abraham looks like a hero of faith. But the first thing we need to see this morning is that actually that's not how the Bible presents him. And you only have to go back a few verses into chapter 11 to see who Abraham really is. It's easy to miss though. And so that's why we read from chapter 11, verse 27, because the first thing that we see there is that in chapter 11, Abraham is from a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur. Now, that doesn't mean much to any of you, does it? You've never heard of Ur? Why does that matter? Well, if you were a Jew reading this, if you were the original readers of Genesis, it means a lot. Because Ur is a city in Babylon. And Babylon is like the anti-God capital of the world. Babylon, or Babel, as you recognise it earlier in Genesis... Babylon is where people built a tower that tried to reach to heaven as a provocative claim of independence from God. That's where people said, we don't need God. We can do life ourselves. Babylon is where God scattered people. It's a land of God's judgment. Babylon is the enemy of God's people throughout the Old Testament. Remember when God wants to punish his people, he sends them into exile. Where do they go? Babylon. It's the worst place they could have gone. And friends, Abraham is born and bred in Babylon. This is the kind of fact that you try and hide when you're writing the Jewish history book. This is the thing that you're kind of embarrassed by. You don't want him to be from Babylon. You can be from anywhere except for Babylon. But no, this is who Abraham is. He lives in Ur. A city where people worshipped the moon instead of the God who created the moon. And Abraham's family were no different. The name of Abram's father is Terah. It means moon worshipper. In Joshua chapter 24, we discover that even Abram worshipped other gods. So Abram is this godless man from a godless family living in a godless city. And there's one more detail that we learn about Abraham in verse 30 of chapter 11, and that's this. Sarai, Abram's wife, was childless because she was not able to conceive. Now, being barren was 
pretty much the worst thing that a woman could be in the ancient Near East. It was devastating. It was bitter. It was a sign that you were not blessed by God. Children were a blessing. That was a sign of God's approval. To be barren was to be cursed by God. And friends, this is Abraham. This is our hero of the faith. This is the one that God calls. If nothing else, that should show you that God, or the call of Abraham is far less a story about Abraham. It's a story about God and how good he is. And so it's really important that you and I see this because it's the same for us. You see, our natural instinct when relating to God is to think we need to be good enough for him. We need to reach a standard that God would be happy with us. You see, we we naturally think that it's because of our religious upbringing or because we go to church or because we're we're just moral or at least better than that guy or because we read the Bible or because we're kind people. We, We naturally think that these are the things that make us acceptable to God. But friends, from beginning to end, the Bible shows us that in fact the opposite is true. The best things that we can offer God actually show that we're not good enough for God. We cannot earn our way to God. We need God to reach out to us. Before God calls any of us, we are just like Abram. We're godless. We're hopeless. But friends, the amazing thing about our God is that while we were in this helpless place, God reaches out to us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, that is an amazing truth. This shows us who our God is, that he would reach out to us. He would reach out to Abram in Babylon while he was worshipping false gods, and he does that for you. He's reaching out to you. So that's the context of the call. It's the context of our call too. None of us have anything that might make us worthy of God's blessing. But God calls the ungodly. He seeks the lost. He loves the unlovable. He resurrects the dead. So that's the context of the call. But now the question is, well, what actually is the call? What does God actually want Abram to do? What does God want from this Babylonian idol worshipper? That's where we move into chapter 12 and we see three things about the call of Abram. You can see them on your outline there. It's a call to leave, a call to receive and a call to believe. So first of all, a call to leave. Verse 1, the Lord has said, had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. That's as far as we need to go right now. Abram receives the call while he's living in Ur. And given what we've just learned about Ur, it's hardly surprising that God wants Abraham out of there. 
See, God is so loving that he reaches out to Abraham, but he loves him too much to let him stay in Ur, to stay in Babylon. He's not going to let him continue living in this city where everyone worships false gods. Abram needs to get away from those people. He needs to get away from that culture. But perhaps most painfully, God tells Abraham that he even needs to get away from his own family. Remember, this is a family that worships false gods. This is a family that is going to be a barrier to Abram worshipping the one true God. They'll want Abram to take part in their, you know, their religious holidays. They'll want Abram to not go to do the things of worshipping God. That they'll be a barrier, they'll be an obstacle to God actually to Abram actually worshipping. And so God tells Abraham that if he's going to belong to him, he needs to leave his family behind. Belonging to God means leaving his country, leaving his people, leaving his family. And friends, the very first thing God calls you to do is exactly the same. Now, it will probably play out differently for you. But the principle is the same. If you're going to belong to God, you need to leave sin behind. We need to run from sin. We need to separate ourselves from sin. We need to repent of sin. And we need to cut ties with the things that draw us into sin and away from God. Now, this is a major challenge for people just entering the Christian faith, isn't it? If you're here and you're new to Christianity, if you're here and you've just become a Christian, or if you're here and you're sort of just kicking the tyres of Christianity, trying to work out what's going on, this is going to be a major challenge for you. Because belonging to God may mean that you need to step away from your group of friends. Because when you're with that group of friends, you can't help but join them in their sin. It may mean that you need to step away from a romantic relationship. It may mean that you need to step away from even your family. This is a challenge for people just entering the faith, but make no mistake, it is not just a challenge for people entering the faith. This is a challenge for all of us. This is something that you do every day of following Jesus. Following Jesus means constantly repenting of sin, which means constantly making choices to leave sin behind. And so it's worth us asking, are there things in our lives today that cause us to sin, that tempt us to sin, that we can leave behind? Now, obviously, this is, this is complicated because we can't get the wrong idea. God does not want us all to kind of get into this little isolated Christian bubble and block out the bad world out there. That's tempting to Christians. There's actually kind of subcultures within Christianity where that's exactly what happens, where we shut the world out and we just only ever talk to other Christians. God does not want that. Because God actually wants us as his people to love in the way that he does. And so how did God love the world? He didn't separate himself from it. He entered it. It's good for you to be friends with non-Christians. 
It's good for you to invest in family relationships, even if your family don't share your beliefs. So don't hear me saying that's not good. It is good. But if those relationships are causing you to turn from God, then you need to leave. Now, maybe just for a short time, maybe for good. But make no mistake, God is not honoured by missionaries who become just like the people they're trying to reach. That is not what God wants. He wants people to be shaped by Him. Belonging to God is costly. He's going to call you to leave lots of things behind. But the second thing that we see about the call to God, that call of God to Abraham, is that while Abraham needs to leave sin behind, he's promised so much more. It's a call to leave, but it's also a call to receive. The call of Abraham is a call of unmerited grace. God just pours out blessings on Abraham. He lays it on thick. Take a look at verse 2. He says, I will make you, Abraham, into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Did you see what Abraham does in this arrangement? Not much. It's all God. It's I will, I will, I will. I will make you great. I will bless your name. I will look after you. I will prosper you. You see, Abraham, he's just a passive recipient in this arrangement. He didn't earn God's blessing. He didn't deserve God's blessing. He just stands there with his arms open trying to catch it all. And friends, this is how God works with you too. He's the one who showers his grace on us. He blesses freely. He blesses abundantly. In Ephesians 1, we say we have received every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, he blesses the righteous and the wicked, remember? He blesses people who don't deserve it. He's the kind of God who just overflows with love for these people that he's created. And so, friends, just like it was for Abraham, the call of the gospel is a call to you to receive. Not to work, not to earn, to receive. But notice something else about the way God blesses Abraham. God doesn't bless Abraham for Abraham's sake. Did you see that? Now, certainly it's good for Abraham. He's going he's gonna to benefit from this arrangement. But it's good news for other people too. Because in the same sentence that God says, I will bless you, Abraham, he also says, and you will be a blessing. God says, I will bless you as well as all people on earth will be blessed through you. And of course, that's exactly what happens in Abraham's life, right? God does bless him. And through that blessing, God gathers a whole nation of people to belong to him. And through that nation, Jesus, the saviour of the world, would come. So friends, you and I are sitting here today because we have been blessed by God blessing Abraham. All nations were blessed through him, which is why we, living here in Australia, non-Jews, can belong to God. 
But friends, that pattern still continues today. It's happened most significantly in all people being blessed through Jesus. But it happens in little ways in our lives too. If you're someone who has been called by God to follow the Lord Jesus, then you have been blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. And every blessing God gives you is an opportunity for you to bless others. If God has blessed you with a loving family, then you are in a fantastic position to show that love to other people. If God has blessed you materially, then you have the ability to bless others by sharing with them. If God's blessed you with a house, then use it to bless others. If he's blessed you with money, use that to bless others. But if you've been called by God, then you have been blessed in a profoundly valuable way. In a way that makes material possessions look like dirt. Because you have been blessed with the treasure of the gospel. You know Jesus. You know that he is the way to have life. You know that he is the way to have all your sin forgiven. You know that he is the way to have access to God, to be able to call God your father. You know that he is the way to have eternal life. Friends, if you've been called by God, you have been blessed in an amazing way. But you have been blessed so that you can be a blessing. It's good for you, but it's good for more than just you. It should overflow as you share that good news with others. That's how you can be a blessing to this world, by sharing this good news that you know. The call of God is a call to leave a life of sin. The call of God is a call to receive the blessing of God and be a blessing to others. But friends, finally, the call of God is a call to believe. It's a call to take God at his word. Because when Abraham received God's call, he didn't know the whole story. He didn't know that Jesus was coming. He didn't even know where he was going. Do you see that? God says to him, go, leave your country, leave your family and go to the land I will show you. Where's that? He doesn't know. He just has to go. But Abraham believes God. God tells Abraham that I'm going to make you into a great nation. But at that present time, his wife couldn't have babies. That seems like a difficult arrangement. How's that going to work? Abraham doesn't know. But he believed God. When God did eventually show him the land that he was going to give to his descendants, well, he got there and it was full of other people. God says, this is going to belong to you and it's already occupied. That's a problem. But Abraham believed God. You see, Abraham didn't know the full story, but he went. He continued to believe throughout his whole life despite the fact that he himself never did arrive in Canaan, God took him there and said, I'm going to give it to your descendants. The promise was to Abraham, but Abraham never got to live there. But Abraham believed God. And friends, the call of God is a call to trust him. 
And trusting God means taking him at his word, even when you can't see how things are going to play out. Now, we have the incredible privilege of living this side of the cross. And so we see how God's big plan for the world has played out. We've seen Jesus dying on the cross. We've seen Jesus rising again. We've seen the plan executed. And yet there is still unknowns for us, isn't there? And trusting God means taking him at his word, even when there are unknowns. It means trusting that your sins are forgiven, even when you're gripped by guilt. It means trusting that you can lose absolutely everything in this life because you have a better life in the new creation ahead. It means trusting that one day Jesus will return, despite the fact that it's been two millennia and we're still waiting. And friends, do you know how you show that you're trusting God? We show it by obedience, don't we? That's what Abraham did. God told him the plan and Abraham obeyed. Abraham showed that he trusted God's promises by following his instructions, by leaving and going. And it's the same for us. If you're not obeying God's call... It's because you don't trust God. And that plays out in lots of different ways throughout our lives, right? If you're not obeying God's call to sexual purity, it's because you don't trust that he is good. If you're not obeying God's call to avoid greed, it's because you don't trust that God is enough. If you're not obeying God's call to love, it's because you don't trust that he loves you. And friends, if you're not obeying God's call to, uh, to allow, sorry, if you're not obeying God's call to follow Jesus, it's because you don't trust him when he says that you are dead in sin. You see, our obedience reflects our trust. Those two things go in hand in hand. We're not saved by obedience. We're not saved by doing good works. But if we say that we believe in Jesus... We show that by the way that we trust him, by obeying him. So wrapping up now. This morning I want you to know that God is calling you like he called Abraham. The circumstances are different. There is something about Abraham's call that is unique and special and we're going to see more of that over the next coming weeks. But just like he did with Abraham, God is calling you to leave. He's calling you to leave sin behind by repenting and asking Jesus for forgiveness. Secondly, he's calling you to receive his blessings by belonging to him. And thirdly, he's calling you to believe that Jesus is Lord and Saviour. And so friends, God is calling. The question is, how will you respond And that's your call. So let's pray. Father God, we are grateful and amazed that you are the God who reaches out to sinners, to undeserving people, to people like Abraham who were worshipping other gods, living in a land of your judgment far from you. But Lord, we're amazed that you reached out to him and chose to use him as an instrument by which you would bless the whole world.
And Lord, as we trace down the line from Abraham through to the offspring who would be the true blessing to the whole world, the Lord Jesus, the son of Abraham. Lord, we are so grateful that you have reached out even to people like us. Lord, we thank you that you call us out of darkness into your life, that you call us to leave a life of sin so that we can live a life of blessing in relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear that call. Each and every day, help us to respond by following the Lord Jesus. Give us the strength to leave behind things that will get in our way. Give us the kind of faith that will enable us to persevere when things get tough. Help us to trust you, to trust that you have our best interests at heart. Help us to cling to you today and tomorrow and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.